God of love and justice, we are grateful for inheriting the tradition of the scriptures. By your Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word that we may know the love and grace of Jesus Christ, your living word made flesh among us. Amen. So if this is your first time here or you haven't been around in a little bit, this is a strange scripture for the middle of summer. We last week heard Wednesday and we this week heard Thursday and it's a chunk of scripture that we normally read through in this big long swath around Holy Week and we never really take the time to break each teeny little delicious morsel down let alone pair it with a storybook. So if you listened along online, or if you were here last week, you will have heard the scripture that came right before. So in the week leading up, we have Sunday, Jesus rode into town on his donkey to the shouts of Hosanna, blessed is the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord, while palm leaves were laid on his path, Palm Sunday. And then on Monday, he went to the temple and he freaked out, flipping table, tables over and calling people out for their bad behavior. Tuesday, he had crowds of people all around as he was confronted by the scribes and Pharisees, the religious elites, and they challenged each other's authority, the crowd swelling in support of Jesus, delighting in his teaching as he denounced the leaders. And remember, last week's scripture was the Wednesday where the plot to destroy Jesus was being confirmed and he had been anointed for burial by that unnamed woman. Today, Mark's story of Jesus last week moves towards its climax. Our reading today comes on Thursday and the events that were set up on Wednesday begin to unfold. Now remember, this is the last day before Jesus was crucified and it is full of drama. We have his final meal with his disciples. Jesus prays for deliverance in Gethsemane. He is betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter, and abandoned by the rest of his disciples. Each of these last days are packed with events and layers and layers of meaning. And in the church, we call that Holy Week, that week leading up to Easter, and we call this remembrance Maundy Thursday. Maundy meaning new commandment, and it's about the way the sacrament of communion, also known as the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, was established in the church. And that's where I want us to focus our attention in on today. First of all, what is communion anyway? We can be long-time churchy people and still more, learn more and more about what it is that we do here. It is quite literally a Thanksgiving meal. Eucharistos is the Greek, and it means Thanksgiving, gratitude. And honestly, it is something the church has been fighting over basically since the very beginning. How to do it, what it means, who gets to preside at it, who gets to partake in it. And we are not covering all of that debate today. <laughs> I am happy to refer you to a church history class. I took several of them or give you some of my books to read if you are interested. Today, though, I want to get at the heart of the matter. 
So we understand the church, the gathered group of Jesus lovers, to be Christ's body on earth. In the simplest terms, it is our receiving of this sacrament, named by Jesus as his body, that we together become the body of Christ. We are made one in the spirit through this receiving. It is an intimate sharing. It is an exchange. And we heard this morning about this intimacy that Jesus shared with his disciples on his last night. And it nourished them individually, but it bound them to him and to one another. And that is essentially still what it is today. It is a way to bind us to one another and to God. And we were taught to do it by Jesus. And that is essentially why we keep doing it. Because Jesus told us to. And what the church through the ages has learned is that he told us to do it for a very good reason. It broadens our understanding of life beyond the physical. It refreshes us by giving us a connection to a depth of life and meaning that we wouldn't otherwise have. Jesus knew that in his absence, we would need a ritual, a symbol to represent that which we could no longer see, a space and a place to encounter God in a tactile way that points beyond. And when we gather and we share in the loaf and the cup, we engage with what God started a long time ago. And we engage with what God continues to do today. And it reminds us of who we are. We are the people of God. So we've got the what and the why, and we're going to do the how here in a little bit. But it wouldn't be a sacrament if there wasn't an element of mystery involved. St. Augustine defined a sacrament as the visible sign of God's invisible grace. It is a sacred act through which Jesus invites us in. And it's through this act, each time we partake, that the church is renewed. Because somehow, we are made into something greater than ourselves. Ordinary things, bread, juice, are representative of something extraordinary and somehow transform us ordinary things into the extraordinary people of God. And I love this notion of ordinary things, us, bread, Welch's grape juice, being claimed and made beautiful and holy and extraordinary. But Ingrid, you may say, Ingrid, Isn't all of God's creation precious and holy? Don't we live in a sacramental universe? Yes. I love this understanding that all of this is sacred and sacramental. That all of this, beyond these walls, all of it points to God. And then I get that song playing in my head. Take Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. But Ingrid, you may say, Ingrid, why bother with the Eucharist 
communion, if I can encounter Christ every time I take a bite into that soft, gooey water, Oh, it was that chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) There we go. Lord knows we can encounter the divine in a soft, warm, gooey chocolate chip cookie. Why bother with this strange thing Jesus did with his disciples over 2,000 years ago? Well, through all my years of seminary training, and Lord knows there were many years, All of my years taught me about this thing, how it started, why we do it, the bits we need to include when we do it. But the why bother was really shaped by a series of my own personal experiences sharing in this ancient, sacred, mysterious meal. These instances have taught me that something different does happen in the receiving of the bread and the juice in church. And I want to share one of these stories with you, one of the spiritual experiences I had during communion. Some of you may know this story because I like to tell it. My husband Todd and I had been married about seven months and we were visiting my mom, the Reverend Mother as she's known, on Bowen Island, as we often did, to have breakfast with her and go to church at Bowen Island United Church, the Little Red Church in the Apple Orchard. And we were celebrating that day as we had just found out that I was expecting our first child. In worship, we were participating in the sacrament of communion, and I re- as I received that piece of bread, dipped it into the juice, took it into my mouth, and began to pray, I was struck with a powerful and resounding understanding that I was also offering this communion to the teeny tiny little life that was growing inside. And in that moment, I understood that God already had a relationship with this new we human. And whoever they were to be, they were partaking in this mystery that was beyond my own understanding. God took this ancient sacrament and changed me into a mother. And maybe it is this experience that led me to call this sermon gifts of adaptation. The definition of adaptation being a change or the process of change by which an organism or species becomes better suited to its environment. I'll say that again a change or process of change by which an organism or species become better suited to its environment. Communion gives us the mechanism to become better suited followers of Jesus. Now, how about that book, Stuck? I love the absurdity of that story. I love children's books for their suspension of the laws of physics and their play with the imaginative possible. Because it is in their play that they're able to point us to bigger things. So thinking back to that story, I want you to consider for a moment. Who in that story can you relate to? 
the boy who got the kite stuck? Do you have a problem that no matter how much other crap you throw at it never seems to get resolved? What about Mitch the cat, who gets tossed into a problem without any understanding of why or what he has to do with it or any idea of a solution? Maybe you can identify with one of the firefighters who show up to help with a big problem only to get stuck in the problem yourself. Or are you the rhinoceros, left up in the problem after the instigator has taken off and gone to bed? We all get stuck. We get stuck because of our own accidents. We get stuck because of our own poor choices. We get stuck because of other people's poor choices. We get stuck because of circumstances beyond our own control, and we get stuck because we misuse the tools we have in our own hand. Remember, Floyd at one point had a saw, and rather than cut down the tree, he tossed it up there. We all get stuck. The disciples got stuck too. They betrayed Jesus, abandoned him, denied they were with him. We get stuck. But you know what? God doesn't get stuck. God doesn't get stuck, and better yet, God has hand-delivered this mechanism for getting us unstuck. Communion is the key that unlocks the mystery of God who is desperately trying to get our attention to let us know how loved we are. Communion is the tool we have to realign ourselves with God's will for us. Communion is the process of change through which we become better suited to call ourselves disciples of Christ, our method of adaptation to the Christian way of life. And Jesus doesn't say, this isn't for Judas, I know what you're about to do. Or, hey, Peter, hands off, I see what's coming. There are no stipulations by Jesus marking those who are in and out from this meal. He shares it with all present, no matter how stuck they are, no matter how broken they are, no matter what they have done or what they are about to do. Take, he says, Take, this is my body. Take me, he says. Drink, he urges. Drink and know a new way. And in a few minutes, I will invite you to this table. It's not my table. It's not the table of St. George's United Church or the United Church of Canada. I will invite you to a table where Jesus is all at once the host the participant, and the adapter. We are welcome to the table by God, a place where we have the opportunity to encounter God and then are digested by God in this mystery and made into people of the light. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what you are about to do. 
No matter what you believe or what doubts you have, you are welcome at this table. And it is at this table, in the simple sharing of these ordinary things, something beyond our understanding takes place. And we are transformed, adapted. We are unstuck into the precious, holy, extraordinary children of God that we were born to be. Amen.